Is it picking things up? It is. It's just quiet. Well, okay. 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 If we talk in a normal voice, we have to like project. Projection. <laughs> So much in life is scripted, but this is unedited. Listen in as we have casual conversations about art and faith. So welcome to Unedited. I'm Farley Sanderford. And I'm Jennifer Chetlick. And in this episode, we're in our happy hour for December, which is crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. It's so crazy. Uh, so let's jump in. We got a lot. Yeah, yeah, we got some good stuff. Yep. So my first uh, thing that I wanted to talk about was a movie. You've been watching a lot of movies. I have. Um, I have been watching a lot of movies. Um, but this one I watched by myself. I don't know if Ben would want to watch it or oh, not. Are you watching it too? No, I watch it by myself. Okay. If we watched, if I would watch it again with him though. Uh-huh. Um, it's called a movie called The Woman in Gold, and it's an older movie, so right. I'm a little slow on the pickup. But it was on Netflix, so that's why. I got yeah. To watch it. Yeah, I saw it a few years ago. I think. Yeah. Um, it came out in 2015, and it's about. We talk a lot about art theft. <laughs> I feel like. This one's about Klimt, and it's about World War II. Yes. And so, yeah. So yeah. Um, the painting is the painting is the subject of the movie, and the painting originally was called was it just Adele? Because it it's but based, it's a portrait. Yeah. It's a portrait of um, this woman's uh, aunt Adele. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the original title, okay. but then they changed it to The Woman in Gold, which mm-hmm. kind of puts, like, challenges, like, her identity, mm-hmm. which kind of, like, glosses over that, that she right. was an actual person right. um, who sat in front of Gustav Klimt. Um, and so the movie premise is sort of in the lines of The Monuments Men, um, the theft of art, um, specifically by Jewish patrons, um, from, from Jewish, wrong preposition, (laughs) theft by the Nazis from predominantly Jewish patrons. I don't want to use the proper prepositions from now on. Um, so it's about this one particular painting by Klimt, um, that was stolen and, um, the movie is about uh, this woman trying to get this painting back into her own possession, which at the point where we enter in the movie, it's in the uh, art collection in Vienna. So not only is she trying to get it back, but she's trying to sort of usurp the art museum in Vienna. Right. Which is a pretty... So it's about this, you know, she gets her, was it grandson? Grandson? Grandson who's a lawyer involved. And um, the cast. So the cast, um, the woman who's trying to get the painting back um, is Helen Mirren. She plays Maria. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. 
I'm raising my eyebrows. You can't see it, but I'm raising my eyebrows. Uh, plays her grandson, the lawyer. Katie Holmes is his wife. Um, I'm going to butcher his last name. Daniel Bruhl, I think, or Bruhl. Bruhl? I don't know what the umlauts over the U means in German. Uh, but he plays this guy that they meet when they get to Vienna and is, like, trying to help them, like, get the painting back. Um, Elizabeth McGovern from Downton Abbey plays the judge. Um, and that's, and this, uh, a German actress plays Adele. Okay. Um, which I don't really know much about her, but she's so striking and yeah. is, I can see a resemblance. The yeah. casting for her, I think was good. She resembled the, the actual Adele. Yeah. Pretty closely, I think. So it's a good Netflix movie if you haven't seen yes, it. Yes, Netflix, yay, free movies. Cool. Well. Well, you're sort yes. You don't have to pay an extra free. fee. Um, I have, I I was kind of excited to see, there's a new book that came out that I have not read yet, but, um, I'm, I think I want to get it and read it. So I wanted to tell you all about it. Um, Farley and I were just at a writer's retreat a month ago and I know a lot of it, um, a lot of what we talked about was poetry. There were a lot of poets there. Yeah. And it's kind of a revival. Yeah, I, I usually only think of poets as like songwriters. I know there are mm-hmm. lots of poets out there, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like there's a little bit of a resurgence of poetry, especially in Christian communities. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of like Ted Loder um, has a book of poetry called The Gorillas of Grace, which is mm-hmm. really good, and that they're like cool. prayer poems. That's really cool. Um, so anyway, there's this new book out that's called um, He Held Radical Light, The Art of Faith, The Faith of Art, by Christian, I think, Wyman, W-I-M-A-N. Um, so I'm excited about this book. It's a um, the little blurb says it's a, a book-length essay woven of spiritual memoir, literary criticism, and lyric poetry. It demonstrates with intelligence, honesty, and humor how vital poetry can be for any exploration of faith. Um, so, yeah, the book is, uh, this is not a book about art and faith, as if one or the other could be peeled away and considered singly. Instead, this book suggests that the field of imagination is one of the most significant places where the divine and the mortal can meet. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I'm excited to check this book out again it's called he held radical light uh the art of faith the faith of art by christian wyman so maybe you'll like it too it's yeah a new that book. sounds really good yeah i like yeah. to get my hands on that so the next thing i want to talk about for our um happy hour is um so okay you have coffee art cop Latte art. Can you do it? You used to work at Starbucks. <laughs> no, I cannot. Um, I was too busy cranking out drinks. I don't have time to make it pretty. Yeah. <laughs> well, it gets a lid right. on it anyway. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Not a lot of people like whipped cream, which, again, totally. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> I worked at Starbucks for, like, 12 years. Wow. I didn't know you worked there that long. Yeah, it was a really long time. That is a long time. Um, so, but, though I am no longer... Somewhat gainfully employed by Starbucks. I still drink a lot of coffee. And so there's... I've never been to Japan, but I have a friend who lived there for a while. Um, and even the Star, even the Starbucks in Japan, they always get, like, the coolest things. As really? far as, like, 
uh, like specialty drinks and like pastries yeah. and like all they get like the coolest stuff over there. Yeah. Um. So that would be really cool to do like a coffee tour. Yeah. In Japan. Maybe I'll put that on my bucket list. Um, but in Japan, there's this new um, thing um, by Nescafe. Um, so their Tokyo outlet in this very, like, very cool, hip, stylish um, part of Tokyo is now making lattes with <laughs> – you can get your favorite – Monet or Van Gogh painting, Just sort of those two on any, like, old any two pa- those two painters, but uh-huh. there's several paint. Uh, oh no, there's a um, Hokusai. Oh, the um, oh the the, yeah, yeah, the tidal wave, yeah, yeah, which is a traditional. That's like a Japanese uh, woodblock print. Woodblock yeah, woodblock print. Right? Yeah. So, so those, cool. but then Monet and Van Gogh. Okay, it looks like those are one of the main some of the main options. And you can get so you can get a cup of coffee with basically a work of art on top of it, like on in the on the foam. Okay. And it's like colored, like they are like full so it's like color. It's like full color imagery crazy. on your latte, which the co- the color part makes me a little uncertain. I'm wondering if it if there's any flavor or if it's just like a pigment oh. of some kind like, that makes the yeah, like the image. Dye. Yeah, if it, is it just food dye or is are, are there flavors associated with? Yeah. I'm guessing it's probably just food dye. But there was something before this that I found too, where you could because um, everything is they they automate things so much more right. over right. there because mostly there's just so many people, mm-hmm. um, so they have to be more efficient, I think. And so there was this coffee bar that you could go to, and you could bring a photograph or a picture mm-hmm. and like insert it into the machine mm-hmm. and the machine would like print on your on your on your latte on your, wow, on the like foam again. yeah 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 That's but crazy. i think those are just black and white i haven't seen the color ones before that's so funny yeah All right. so i i think it would be cool to try well maybe it'll i'm make just it curious maybe. probably not i think yeah. it'll look cool stuff we can hope um, speaking of coffee, uh, I'm going to move on to pottery. This story really um, caught caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henri Matisse, are you a fan? Yeah, yeah he's okay. okay. Uh, he's okay. Um, the French modernist painter. Uh, his great-grandson is here in this country, and he is a potter in North Carolina. Um, oh, I mean, if you're going to be a potter, well, right, right. That's you should be in North Carolina. Like That's America. good. Yeah, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Oh, yeah. Um, he started off, um, they don't say it's wood firing, but he built a big kiln out of brick in his yard, and the firings take three days, and to me, that's wood firing. Okay. But they're trying to kind of return to the roots of pottery, which is, you know, they, they talk about you can get an electric kiln, and mm-hmm. which is how I do it, which is how most people do it. It's right. just easier. Um, I was gonna say having a wood fire kiln sounds a lot more arduous. And oh, it, it takes three days to because you have to get it up to if you're a certain temperature, right? It's like twenty five hundred degrees. I fire to about um, twenty two hundred degrees, so it's just a little bit hotter. But still, those couple hundred degrees take hours and hours. You have to get it there, and so when you're um, doing that, you know, 
with wood or so it just takes a long time. Yeah. So that's why, you know, the Native Americans when they fired, it would take days yeah. just to, to get to the to that temperature. Hmm. Um so he's doing that and he's trying to there are not many like um pottery factories, um, not a ton in this country anymore. And so he's trying to revive all of that. Um, they also have some, um, they, they started with just the two of them, and now they have like a team of 40 people working there. Dang. But they've, I think, made their own molds and are like cranking out like all of this really sleek, simple pottery um, in North Carolina. I mean, mm. it's, it's pretty. It is, Does it say where in North Carolina? Um, just out of curiosity. Is yeah, that in the Blue Ridge? East, East Fork is the name of um, the company. They're kind of near Asheville, I think. So I just thought that was kind of cool that Henri Matisse's great-grandson is a potter yeah. in this country. Um, and doing, like, cool, yeah. cool stuff. Yeah, like, trying to revive, like, you know, because most of the people like me, are we're not producing, like, a factory. You know? Right. Even, even production potters. I have friends who are, and I'm not a production potter, but friends who are production potters. Um, they they kind of, like, crank out. They crank out about the same, the same thing, yeah. But they still couldn't produce at this oh, no. quantity, no. you because know, your hands can only do so much. Right. Even and yeah. you're only one person. And you're only one person. So yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was cool. Henri Matisse's great grandson is a potter. So there you go. Art is in the genes. Yep. Uh, so the next thing I wanted to talk about um, is another movie. This kind of, this episode's a little bit movie heavy, but that's good. It's that time of year. It's it's it, they're all good things. Uh, so Ben and I went to see uh, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. I guess it was maybe last week. Oh, I don't know. It. I can't remember. Uh, somewhat recently, uh, and both of us are are big Queen fans. So we were both like, e- I think equally What's excited. What's your like, first Queen memory? Like how old were you when you started listening to Queen? Oh, probably not until. I mean, I remember as a kid. Wow, memories but you're, are flashing. You're 10 years younger than me, so Queen was, like, done by the time you were Yeah, to yeah. So it, I guess it was either maybe, like, the late 80s, early 90s when the movies, the Mighty Duck movies come out. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those? Yeah. Um, And the soundtrack was pretty Queen heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, they were, you know, sports. Right. Sports ball. Blah 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 something. Right. Um, yeah yeah yeah. So that song was on there, and there was a few others mm-hmm. that I really remember. And that was the f- that's like the first memory I have associated with listening, hearing their music. Yeah. And then I don't know, like within the last like few years, I've gotten really into them. Yeah. And then after we saw the movie, I've been listening to it on my yeah. <laughs> on Spotify for like two weeks straight. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, I've heard and I know a lot of their stuff, but there's. Even in the movie, there was a couple songs I was like, I've never heard that. That's really good. Um, It was just a really, of course, sad Uh um, movie, but also just really a beautiful story. Mm. Not only about the power of music, Mm -hmm. but also about love and loss Mm -hmm. and relationships and friendship Mm -hmm. and, I don't know, courage. All the good yeah. Lots of good, like, stuff yeah. in there. Um, and the casting was, was good. perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, okay. So the next one, I have the follows right up on mm-hmm. that. Um, I have not seen the movie yet, but I did hear two interviews on Fresh Air, one with Brian May, the guitarist for Queen, and then the other with Rami Malek. 
the actor who, who played Freddie um, Mercury. Freddie Mercury. Yes. Um, which was really good because I know um, when the movie came out, like that was the first thing my daughter said. She was excited that Rami Malek was playing. Yes. Was playing. Uh, he does such a great job. Yeah, there's rumor he's going to be nominated for an Oscar. I hope so. Um, so hearing him interviewed was was really great. Um, well, both were. The first of Brian May interview, um, he's like got his PhD. He he did his um, dissertation on dust or cosmic dust. I don't know. He's ridiculously smart. Jeez. Um, and then. Um, Science he, and art and music are, oh, yeah, are so yeah, connected. Yeah. That's um, so cool. And then um, hearing Rami Malek. Rami, um, so when he, he was like invited to be into this movie, he didn't really audition. audition. They, they, in, they had him in him. mind maybe. Yep. And he um, immediately started taking voice lessons and mm-hmm. um, piano lessons mm-hmm. and movement lessons. He was yes. watching Freddie Mercury, watching videos of him like four hours a day. Yeah. Um, and trying to get his, his movements down. So we had to learn to sing. Um, Queen let them have all of their music. So it's mostly Queen tracks, but some some of the like ins and outs are Rami Malek singing. Oh, cool! And they like blended them beautifully, so you can't really tell. Yeah. Um, because it is most of the singing is Freddie Mercury. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. But there is a little bit of. But in the filming, um, Rami said he had to he had to sing it. Like you couldn't. You can't like lip sing. No, you yeah. had to really sing it. Like right. you know, and go all out and really try to embody because he was such a. Um, like a such a full-on character um, Freddie Mercury was yes and so he had to really kind of get in into that yeah. um, he talked about the teeth he mm-hmm. talked because he had to wear prosthetic, um, prosthetic teeth and um, he was concerned about um, he was concerned about picking up those mannerisms but he said as soon as he put them in his mouth he automatically did the things that Freddie Mercury did with um, trying to hide them all the time. Right. And that his lips were dry all the time and that, you know, all of those things. From Just naturally them. happen. Right. But like a lot of singers who have things like that, they don't want to change them because they're afraid it will change their voice, which mm-hmm. is why like, you know, Barbara Streisand right. never changed her nose because she's afraid right. it would change her voice. Right. Um, so anyway, so it's just interesting. And he also, um, Rami Malek is in, well, he was in Night at the Museum, which is one of the first times, I think, big things we saw him in, um, the second Night at the Museum. Or maybe, no, he's in a couple of them. And maybe he's in all of them. Um playing the pharaoh because he's mm-hmm. egyptian um immigrant parents um yeah he was raised in a coptic orthodox um family he grew up speaking arabic until he was four um he has been in a ton of stuff he was in he played um a suicide bomber in uh 24 mm-hmm. um and decided that he would not do that again he would not. He did not want to play a terrorist yeah. again, um, which, which I I totally get. Understand? Yeah, no. Yeah. I I think that's a, a for an actor looking. You know, like like that's a big decision. Because then you make. could really get typecast as, right. as that kind of role. Right. Right. For sure. Um, but he's in another thing that that's still on on the USA Network that I want to see. It's called Mr. Robot. Um, he plays a uh, com- he's a computer hacker. It's a psychological drama. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Mm. Robot. So it just sounded good. They played some clips from that. And, um, you know, I want to see that one, too. So anyway, 
um, yeah, check out those interviews. If, if you like Queen and you liked Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. um, both of those Fresh Air interviews will probably be of interest to you. Oh, they're going to be in my queue. Yeah, cool. For sure. So the next um, thing I want to talk about is this article. Um, it's on theartnewspaper.com. And they're talking about the um, the wildfires in California that were uh, recently actually extinguished and under control. Thank goodness. Um, they were for a long time. They did. They really did. They did so much damage to so many um, people's property and, and homes. Um, so the city of Malibu was hit pretty hard by, by this recent wildfire. Mm. Um, article says that... Uh, at least at this point, around 100,000 acres um, has been burned down, um, which that's a lot of, mm-hmm. that's a lot of land. Uh, so the article is centering around a woman um, who's an artist who lives, um, lives in Malibu. And Malibu is kind of a funky sort of mix of, like, really highbrow people and also kind of blue-collar, but also some, like, hip, hippie, hipster, bohemian types, um, and then movie stars, too. So it's just this, like, mishmash of mm-hmm. lots of different people. Um, but this uh, one particular woman that they, I guess, sort of interviewed for the article, um, her name's Lita Albuquerque, Um She's an artist and a lot of her, basically her whole, her home and her whole studio is, was completely destroyed by the fire, um, which is really, really sad. And they talked to some other, they interviewed some other artists, um, as well and talked to them. Um, they also talked to some collectors, art collectors who lived there and their collections were, um, completely damaged um so not only do you have the finished work that's of course been destroyed that you can't get back but then a lot of their materials and stuff right um right which is incredibly expensive no matter what kind of material you're working on it's just really really sad yeah um moving across the pond Mm -hmm. across the atlantic for Mm -hmm. this next one um so next year marks the 500th uh, year anniversary of the death of Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, back in 2017, Italy, you know, of course, the Mona Lisa is um, at the Louvre in right. Paris. And back in 2017, under a different government, Italy made the arrangements with the Louvre that they would loan them um, a bunch of um, Leonardo's work. In for this celebration, for this, you know, yeah, 500 uh, year, 500 year mark, right? Well, uh, governments have changed since then, and this whole idea of nationalism is not, it seems to be kind of globally spreading, it's not just in our country. Um, because now, um, Italy doesn't want to play anymore with France, they want to keep their, their Leonardo da Vinci pieces for themselves themselves so um so there's a little bit of uh back and forth between them um and the the article just i mean it's i don't know it's kind of ridiculous it just sort of made me laugh because uh someone said um the italian the curator 
um, who serves as the Italian Culture Ministry Committee. He didn't reply to an email request or comment, but this, but, they, but he said, um, while respecting the autonomy of museums' national interests can't be put in second place, uh, the French it's kind can't, of dangerous language right there. Yeah, the French can't have everything, which is. Uh, you know, it's like I'm taking my choice. It seems so bitty. I know. It's Petty. Just, yeah, it's just funny. Um, now, some of the argument is, like, these things are too fragile to move. That one I get, because, like, the, the French want... If it's the, actually true. ...want the adoration of the Magi, which is at the Uffizi Gallery. Mm -hmm. um, they want the Annunciation, but I don't think either of those are going. I think they're going to give them some drawings. Um, oh, how generous. Right. Um, Not that his drawings aren't fantastic, though. Right, yeah. Everything he did. Uh, so okay. anyway, yeah. So that's what's going on over there um, around because they said that you know Leonardo, of course, was born in Italy and right. Italy's He's Italian is he only died in France, like so. <laughs> so he lived in France, like a lot of artists seem to to move there. But right. um, that Paris became a huge mecca. Yeah, a little bit later. Le usually, a little bit later in yeah. the arts. But I just thought that was funny that they said he only died in France. Anyway, the whole thing was like you know, other countries don't have the right to celebrate artists and people from other places. Right. Well, this was like with Picasso, with Spain and France, and you know, yeah. It it just it's it's, it's so funny silly. to me because like there are wildfires going on, and there are like there are so many things going on around the world, and they're arguing over paintings, which just. I don't know. Anyway, that was my next one. So I I love Italy, but you being a little petty on this one. I think just just one, mm -hmm. you know, one eighth Italians. <laughs> you know, I'm a quarter quarter Italian. That counts. Yeah, that counts for something. My opinion. Right? So anyway, hmm. come on, Italy, get it together. So uh, Jennifer, usually you send out holiday cards, right? I do. I remember the one I. I got one from you last year, I think. I know, and I hope and I And they're, like, the postcard kind where you yeah, take, like, a picture uh, and, like, put some text on yes. it. Yes. So I've never – I'm not, like, leveled up to that yet. We, uh -huh. I cannot get my act together yeah. <laughs> to do, like, a photo with and have them I sent off and printed. I used to do a letter or, like, a like – a, then I, I went from a letter to, like, a top – my letters were never – so I have family who sends, like, brag letters about – I cannot – Stand those. No one likes those. No I one. do not like them at all. Mine were pretty honest. Like mine were pretty honest. <laughs> Maybe I would have liked yours. If it was a rough year, you heard about it. But then they went I to like your, a, a top ten. They, they went from a letter to a top ten. Oh, I love top ten. And then that became too much work. So now it's just a picture. It's a picture with <laughs> some words on it. Yeah. Oh, I usually in the past when I have sent out Christmas cards, I usually just like buy a bunch and just yeah. like. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, getting pictures and send them out and have them, yeah, yeah, yeah. too much work. Um, so as the grammar queen, self-appointed, um, I implore you, you listening, yeah. to when you send out your holiday cards this year, please, please, please <laughs> do not put an apostrophe S after your last name saying something you know like greetings from the sanderfords it's not sanderford apostrophe s right right because apostrophe s shows possession, possession. right s just s or es depending on how the word ends right implies 
plural. Right. So you're not talking about the Sander Fords owning something or having something. Yeah. Talking about them as a plural unit. Yeah. So please, please. I no apostrophes. I just say the Chetlet family. See, there you go. That works too. Although this year's is kind of funny. So my, I've not, I've, I've gotten them. I've not sent them out. Mm-hmm. I ordered them online, mm-hmm. and I apparently wasn't paying close attention. Oh no! And so, you know, it has this little on top of the picture, this little greeting, but it says um, "With love from the Chetlet fam." <laughs> it does not say family, Aww. which I use fam like as a slang term. Yeah, that's texting, like a, it's a hip term, right? I'm texting or whatever, but it's on my Christmas card this year, so. Oh. Oops. Oh, man. But there's no apostrophe, so. And, I guess well, okay. then you're good. You're good to go. <laughs> you're good to go. Yeah. Oh, well. If you have any questions about apostrophe S and when to use an apostrophe, please email us at podcast at reachthenations.org and we would be happy to assist you. Probably will help. She'll she'll proofread your Christmas cards for you. I would love to proofread people's Christmas cards. (laughs) That would be fantastic. That's my my new freelance job. Oh my gosh. All right, we're going to end with another movie (laughs) that um, I'm not sure if it's still in the theaters. It will probably be um, on like streaming things by the time this podcast comes out, but um, I saw a movie um, called Free Solo, mm-hmm. which I when I first read it, like Star Wars. That's why I was like, you mean like Free Han Solo? Right, right. Wasn't he frozen? Why we can't free him? Um, no. So this one, so Free Soloing is a is a type of rock climbing. It's the type that crazy people do without any ropes. They just, you know, I'm shaking my head right now. Yeah, it's it. It's terrifying. But, um, Even just to watch somebody else do it. Oh would my be gosh! Terrifying. Even was, think about somebody else doing it. Oh well. Okay. So when I watched this movie, um, this is a documentary. <laughs> my heart's pounding out right, of my no, chest. No, I tell you what happened. This is a documentary. It's a Na- National Geographic documentary on mm. Alex Honnold. Um, he is the first one to free solo uh, the face of El Capitan in Yosemite. He did this last year. Wow. Um, the movie just came out this fall. Um, it took him over a year because he had to like learn all of the little you know you obviously yeah. practice with ropes on and with people delaying you right. so if you mess up um you don't die um but he had to learn the whole face of this rock it was so um nerve-wracking watching it mm-hmm. that i had to like google him during the movie to make sure he didn't die because yes. i had to prepare myself for yes because i was afraid he was going to die yeah and then filming it was a whole other thing because they couldn't be in his way right like they had to a lot of it was done with like the drones drones and, yeah and like people because he kind of didn't want them it sort of messed up his mojo if you know I told you, if you're concentrating that hard and not, right. trying not to fall and die right but this guy was really interesting. Um, wow. It kind of, because it tracked him for over a year. Um, he's got all kind. he like makes a living doing this. He was talking to some students. I didn't and know he could get paid to do it. Oh, that. he makes a good living because the students asked him, like some middle schooler said, how much money do you make? Like, you know, an 11 year old would. Right. And he's like, I, I do all right. And he's like, are you, you know, the kid, yeah. kid kept yeah. roving. And he said, I make, he said, I make um, about what a successful dentist would make. That's got to be over six figures. So this right. dude's making good money, but it is very dangerous. So I think he gets sponsorships from like the North Face and like oh like, yeah, you know. So he's got to wear all their guards, all their stuff, stuff right? Um, like but, a race car driver. Yeah, 
but he was really interesting because they um like they put him in an mri machine and saw that um he doesn't have the same fear the parts of his brain that light up when you're afraid and his don't light up um and then when you watch him relationally he's really quirky but anyway, he did it. So I love the uh, athleticism of it. He he does, the guy to train, does pull-ups from his fingertips. So like, yeah. So I can't even do like pull-ups. He has the, I know. He has these like fingertip hold things. And right. he pulls, you know, that's what he does. He does pull-ups from his fingertips. Oh which my is, gosh. Yeah, so from an athletic standpoint, super impressive. Um, yeah, but it, it is a, it's a good movie. Um, it's like not real long. Uh, and some other people have climbed too um, since then, uh, but yeah. But is, he was the first to do it. He was the first one to do it, and only what last year? You last said? year. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's crazy. It is crazy. So so we'll end with that one. But um, but yeah. Wow. So that's our our December happy hour. Woo. Yep. So we're here. We're in December. Well. <sighs> Thank you for listening to us today. Um, thanks for dropping by. Um, if you like this podcast, please tell a friend um, so you know we can um, get more of you to join us for these conversations um, about art and faith and life and all the things in between. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a review and rate us. That'll help other people find us. Uh, if you have any questions for us or want to reach out, um, you can email us at podcast at reachthenations.org, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Unedited. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Gallery Edit in Richmond, Virginia. You can reach us at podcast at reachthenations.org.